I'm Dave. And I'm Nancy. And this is Middle-Aged Wisdom. Where we talk about mistakes we've made. Lessons we've learned. And sharing things we think are super cool. So you can get closer to living your best life. Welcome to episode 15 of the podcast, Middle-Aged Wisdom. This episode happens to air on Tuesday, October 27th, which is our anniversary. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> it is our um, 13th anniversary. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> Took me a moment there for a second. I was about to say 14 uh, yeah. and I did the math in my head and I thought, no, that's not right. 2007, October 27th, 2007 was the magical day when it all began. We thought we'd do an episode about things that maybe we would do differently, mm. what makes our relationship tick, and we are not experts in relationships by any way, shape, or form. However, we feel like we have a healthy marriage, and we thought we would just share a couple of things that we find useful. And by no means uh, do we have it all figured out, and, and it's definitely not perfect. Right. <laughs> so. We still have our arguments just like everyone else, you know, about folding laundry, doing dishes. And, and there was a funny, I think there was a funny uh, to, Tonight Show or Late Show clip where somebody was doing dramatic readings of couples who had submitted their dumbest pandemic fight stories. And I think... If I was to submit what our dumbest, Ooh, I can't least, wait. At least in my opinion, the dumbest pandemic fight we had. Please tell. Was <laughs> was the time Nancy got mad at me because I quote wasn't running the dishwasher enough in the afternoons. <laughs> I don't. I don't even think it was the afternoon. I think it no, just happened to be. Full. I remember it really well, <laughs> and that's exactly what you said. All right. So now, anytime I run it in the afternoon, I'll turn it on and I'll look at her. And I'll say, that's what I do. I run the dishwasher in the afternoon. <laughs> oh, please. <laughs> this is getting off to a really great start. <laughs> in any event. Yeah, so not perfect, but not we have perfect. some things that we think. And we're <laughs> laughing about them now, yeah. and that's the important part. Let's go back just a little way. So we met in our 20s, in our late 20s, and we got married, I think, about a year and a half after we met. And we have to say that it's the right time, right? So sometimes we are in relationships and it's just bad timing. Either we just got out of a relationship or maybe for me, I was too young. I was an immature punk. Earlier than your late 20s, you're saying? <laughs> you were. Why, you would judge me in my late 20s as a punk as well? <laughs> no, 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 no. But up to that point, like yes. you needed to outgrow some things. Yeah, I was yeah. immature. Just plain and simple, immature. I think you probably were too. Oh yeah. Well, we said I think on our last episode, if any of you listened to it, I think was I had never had a relationship longer than three months before Nance and I got together, and that was my level of. <laughs> I don't right. know if that was all maturity, but maybe just being really picky. But anyway, yeah, right. it was good timing when we met, and um, it happened to work out as as we had planned. Yeah, we we reached the right point in life where it was good timing to meet each other and be where we could have a healthy relationship because we were both in healthy places on our on our own. Right. To then enter into a healthy relationship. 
that makes me think about people that have been in relationships since high school or or maybe even college, how much I admire them because I was too immature at that point in time to even know who I was myself to have someone else come into my life and then kind of grow together. I don't think I was at that point in my life or a time that I could do that. So I admire them so much because not only did they have to figure themselves out and then evolve over time, but then they've also had to figure each other out and how they work together and evolve that relationship over time. Yeah, think about I think about the difference between being a couple at age 15 maybe mm-hmm. versus age 45. Oh my gosh, like how much has changed about you and your life in that 30-year period, my goodness. And even us, yeah. we're not the same people that we were in our late 20s compared to now like in our mid-40s because so much has changed. I mean, what sparks our interest, what we like to do in our free time, what we give our energy to, um, what we need to give each other. I mean, all those things have changed. And that's one piece of advice I think we would offer to other people is is one aspect of having a healthy relationship, whether it's a marriage or whatever you have going on, is giving the other person in the relationship enough space to evolve and change into somebody a little bit different over time than who they exactly were when you met, because it's not going to be the same 10, 20 years down the road. It's just not. They're just So not. true. Right. None of us will be. And we'll be different 10 years from now as well. And we'll have to evolve again and change um, to kind of meet the needs of that person. I think about us and how many times we've moved in just a short amount of time that we've been together. So 15 years we've been together. But I think about how many places have we lived? Seven, eight I was going to put it at at least 10, but... I'd have to think. I didn't think beforehand about how many, but it's a lot. Yeah, it's been a lot. We've moved a lot, and that's usually sparked by me. (laughs) I'm usually saying that I need change. I need a change of scenery. I want something different. I want to live in a different area, whatever it is. And that's communicating and kind of seeing each other's side so much. Um, I think about what gives us interest. We, We would have never done a podcast in our 20s. Never. We mm-hmm. wouldn't have had the maturity, the um, I don't really care what people think kind of attitude because we you can get criticism by doing this stuff as well. Yeah, yeah um, you're putting yourself out there. Yeah, you have to have a tougher skin and um, or any of that stuff. I don't think we would have done that. Mm-hmm. It, we're just different people in what sparks our interest and gives us energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so give each other the space to evolve. Yeah. So as we look back to our early married days and how that was kind of different than it is today. It is kind of interesting to look back at how we are today. And if we, certain things, if we were to do them today, how we would have done them much differently because our mentality about certain things, particularly as it relates to money and financial things is it's not a hundred, a one eighty from when we first got together, but certain things, our values are a little bit different. So for example, let's talk about the engagement. So Nance, Mm -hmm. when, we were talking about getting engaged. You had your sights set on a ring. I did. You did. Yeah. And were you pretty specific in telling me exactly what you wanted? Sort of, kind of. It was the, a thing. Like the ring was a it, thing. It was a thing. Yeah. And that is definitely one thing that you guys may be shocked to hear. But if I was to change one thing about that part of our life, I would have gotten cubic zirconia. No joke. I want everybody to pause and make sure you heard what she just said, that if she had to do that again, she would have got cubic zirconia. Mm. And I say say this Mm -hmm. because I 
value compounding interest so much now that I value 10 years. You know, they always talk about the 10 year mark of doubling the amount of money that it would be and it, that compounds itself and then it doubles in 10 years. I value that so much that I would have surely put that money into an account. Like some sort of investment instead of yes. having me buy the really expensive ring. Yes. Yeah. And to this day I still don't wear I, I don't wear it. I haven't worn it she, in about a year. She's not wearing it. She's not wearing any band right now nothing. as we record this. <laughs> record this. Nothing. And you'll probably see in a lot of our photos on Instagram that I don't have one on. I think maybe a couple of them I have it on, hmm. but I don't really wear it because at work it's it, it's a nuisance. Um, I wear gloves. I wash my hands hundreds of times a day. And from washing gets really dry. The soap gets in the ring. It makes it look really cruddy really quickly. Mm -hmm. And then you have to clean it constantly. And the um, the stone will tear the glove prematurely. And I go through enough gloves the way it is. I don't want to be ripping them apart. So I don't even wear it. Mm -hmm. I know. <laughs> I, I give Nance a hard time, but I, I have to admit that I lost my wedding ring. True. A uh, few years after we got married, I, I play basketball and I was in a basketball league and I was in a locker room getting changed before the game and I don't wear the ring. It was pretty much the only time I would ever take it off is when I played basketball because it's awkward to have it sort of shifting around on my finger as I'm running and sweating and all that. So I remember taking it off. I set it down on a bench in the locker room. And I forgot it there as I grabbed my bag and I went out to play. And when I came back later looking for it, it was gone. It was gone. Yeah. To Nance's credit, though, when I told her, I was beside myself upset and just felt horrible. And you were like, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I thought you were going to just like give me such a well, hard time. <laughs> well, I was bummed to hear it. I, I mean... You know, of course, like if he was out with a night on the with the guys, <laughs> it would be a difference. Oh, and sure, he came home yeah. without a ring. I think that would be a little different. But I knew he felt really, really bad about it. And um, it's it's a thing, right? It's not us. It's it's a symbol, mm -hmm. but it's certainly nothing in comparison to what we feel about each other. It has nothing to do with that. Yeah. And so we don't put a very high value on jewelry or rings or anything like that. We just don't have that stuff that's not valuable to us. Yeah. So um, in saying that. And just something to think about if you're not hitched, <laughs> you know, like that's just something to think about. Maybe you don't need that, you know, right. that kind of stuff. Kind of stuff. Right. Or maybe if you have kids that are getting to marrying age, especially if you have a daughter, influence their thinking about that, like what really matters in the marriage right. versus the wedding and the ring versus the actual marriage, what matters more. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, speaking of the, the wedding, we're also talking about the wedding itself, how maybe we would have changed that. Mm -hmm. We often say that if we ever renewed our vows, we would do it in Las Vegas with Elvis. Singing Elvis, yes. Uh, and I have this vision of myself just walking down the aisle with Elvis singing, can't help falling in love with you. This just sounds so awesome. And I would be wearing a blue leisure leisure suit, blue tuxedo, one of those light blue ones. And I think we'll have to wait mm -hmm. until our daughter Cece is maybe old enough to have a drink with us, because then that would make that experience more fun, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, in the future that might come. Yeah. Um, but in any event, we did have a small quaint wedding in comparison. I think it was just under 100 people in a beautiful mountain town, which was great. But the thing that I remember the most about it had nothing to do with the centerpieces that we made or the invitations that we handmade that took forever. We we're trying to save money and so we made our invitations. 
we could have sent a piece of typed paper and I think it would have meant the same thing. <laughs> Here right? it is, show up. Yeah. <laughs> but we put all this focus on making it look pretty, but still saving money. But the thing that I remember in the most magical moment to me was when we walked into the reception when they were playing the song Wonderful Day by OAR. And I looked out and I just started choking up because all of our friends were there, our family was there. And when do you have that moment when all of your closest people in your life are in one place at one time. And that was the magic of our wedding. It was us coming together and all these people that support our marriage and us together. Um, that was the part I remember. Yeah, not the fancy locale being in kind of a lodge in the mountains, which was really cool and beautiful and memorable, but it was the people. It was the people. So when we were first married, it it was an interesting time in our life and our relationship because we actually had some difficulties we had to work through. So Nance, maybe you want to tell them exactly what happened. Yeah, well, two weeks before our wedding, I was in um, our, we lived in a place in Colorado where it was very walkable and I was doing my trial hairstyle that a lot of women probably get done before the wedding. Um, and they, they were running behind. So they said, hey, can you go out and... Um, and just wait a little bit before we're ready for you. Yeah, and this was a, a salon that was like maybe three or four blocks from where we were living at Really the time. close. Yeah, you were able to walk there. Right. I happened to go outside and sit on a park bench, and I was checking my messages on my phone for work, and um, I got robbed. Um, so somebody jumped out of a car and basically uh, was physical with me, and um, I was robbed. And that is how our wedding, st our marriage started. And obviously I was very, very traumatized. Um, it took me a long time to heal. I'm still not really over it. I still have kind of PTSD from it in certain scenarios in an alley or in a garage, um, anywhere that might have that kind of feeling. My The hair on my arms will stand up and I'll start getting heart palpitations and have trouble breathing and I have to like really calm myself down, it's PTSD. And that was the start of our marriage. So if we made it through that, and I thought, Dave loves me enough to get me through this. And he didn't really, for all the stuff I went through and all the things I was thinking about and the scenarios I was placing in my head that really weren't warranted, he never thought it was stupid or not worth my thoughts. Yeah, it was a really tough time because the guy didn't, you know, Nance didn't get hurt in this encounter, but it was mm -hmm. the, the things she was holding, the guy came and physically ripped him out of her hands and they struggled with him for a minute before you thought he was reaching into his pocket and might have something he could hurt you with. Right. He never saw what he had in his pocket, but it, it freaked her the, the heck out. Right. Okay. And a few blocks from our house. And at the time we had a two story, a uh, little townhouse we were renting and our bedroom was upstairs. And right next to our bedroom was a sliding glass door with a little balcony. And so there's a few blocks from where we lived. Right. So at night, if there was a noise outside, it was a very walkable area. So people would be going by all times of night, but you would wake up and be looking out the window at two, three in the morning. Right. Just the, it was, it was, you had a very difficult time sort of processing that. And that was hard. That was really mm -hmm. hard. I remember the times when I really kind of was tested the most with my patients was just losing sleep. I mean, it was, right. 
That was hard. And this is supposed to be those moments when you're so excited a couple of weeks before you get married and everything is coming together and family starts coming in. I know we are getting a lot of gifts delivered because people were traveling and so they sent the gifts instead of bringing them with. And it was supposed to be this exciting time and I was depressed. I was Mm. in a really, really bad place. Um, And they had our information because everything was in my bag. The people that robbed you? Right. And so they had our address. They knew when we were going to be away for our honeymoon. Our honeymoon itself was really traumatizing. We were in Mexico on like a Southern Riviera cruise. And it was tough because I I didn't want to go anywhere. I just felt so traumatized. Um, So that's how our, our marriage got off to a kind of a tough start. Yeah. And it's one of those things that I have learned over the years and have been taught is that in any meaningful relationship you have, there will likely be conflict at some point or another. And how you handle that conflict and come out of it, your your relationship won't be the same afterwards. It's But it's a matter of, is it going to be better or is it going to be worse by how you handle it? It's so true. And yeah. that works with any kind of conflict in your life, whether it's relationships or work-related or family-related or whatever it is. It's how you come out of it and how you resolve the conflict. Yeah, it can actually make you stronger or it can make you worse, right. but it's not going to be the same. not going to be the and same, no matter choose. what. So how we came out of that was, in looking back, it was a big test of patience for me in particular, but it was something where looking back, you just had to kind of heal over years and years and years. And that experience actually led to one of our moves. Like we actually moved from that downtown walkable area. Mm-hmm. We lived up in the mountains right outside of Denver mm-hmm. for about a year and a half because you just needed to get away mm-hmm. from anything that sort of triggered you. It was that dramatic. The only thing bothering us were the deer outside our yeah. windows every morning. And it was quite magical in that sense too. So one other thing we've come across that we found really helpful in in our relationship and understanding each other and what each other needs out of the relationship is we came across this book called The Five Love Languages. And this is a book by an author named Gary Chapman. And it's really, uh, in simple terms, it's about how people prefer to feel love from another person and, and really to give love to the other person? What are the ways that they show that or want to be shown that? And a lot of you may have read it already. It's a very, very popular book. But in particular, we liked it because it helps someone understand the other person. So let's list the the five love languages that he talks about. The first is words of affirmation. Second is gifts. Third is acts of service. Fourth is quality time. And fifth is physical touch. It's interesting because if you are someone that likes gifts and you happen to give gifts to someone else, so say I love getting gifts, which is not, we'll tell you in a second what ours is. Like it makes you feel loved if somebody (laughs) gives you a gift. So if I gave Dave, say, a new shirt or a pair of slippers or socks or a watch or whatever it was, he may say, great, wow, thanks, Nance, that's great. And if I'm expecting him to be ecstatic and to wrap his arms around me and to say, oh my gosh, I love you so much, this is great, it's just not going to happen. And that can be a deterrent to the relationship because then you'll feel like, I just went out of my way to give him this and he didn't even like it. And I thought this was going to have this response and it didn't. Mm-hmm. 
And that's how we can use these languages to help our relationships. Because for me, it turns out my love language isn't gifts. I mean, gifts are great. I mean, nothing wrong with gifts. It's very thoughtful. It's cool. But it's not the way that I feel most loved. Mm -hmm. And it's not the best way to show me love, I guess. And turns out it's not for Nance either. And in fact, it's so much so for the two of us that we don't even get each other gifts. Like, do we ever get each other gifts? Pretty much never. Like we don't. Maybe get sometimes I'll get you a random shirt if I. I mean, I think when Nordstrom was going south and there was a really big sale, I got you a couple of shirts. Yeah. But in no way did I expect you to be like, "Oh my gosh, these are amazing!" Thank <laughs> I mean, you. They're shirts. No, they're great. They're great. Yeah, we don't we don't get each other gifts on our anniversary or birthdays or Christmas or any of that stuff. But what our thing is, we we do something together. We go and we go out to eat or we go travel somewhere or we'll go to a show or something like that. But that's how we sort of celebrate each other in, you know, key days, that sort of thing. It's not so much about buying each other stuff. Right. The other thing that we're not keen on for us is physical touch. Like we're both people that if someone is smothering us, we cannot run faster the opposite direction. Like, Get off me! Yeah, like, I just need spurs. <laughs> yeah, we'll hold hands. It's funny though. I'll try to hold Nancy's hand sometimes, and she'll she'll typically let me f- do it for anywhere from one to five minutes tops. <laughs> it's like so suffocating just, to just, me. Just... <laughs> <laughs> but it's also having the other person understand that because yeah. it's not that I don't love him or anything. It's just I just feel suffocated. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Nance, what's your uh, love language? Mine is acts of service. Mm-hmm. So if Dave empties the dishwasher, if he folds laundry, um, if he... Particularly if I run the dishwasher and unload it in the afternoon. <laughs> Apparently that's, that's a trigger for me. <laughs> um, if he um, cleans up, if I, anything to do with things that I do that take time. Um, he cooks for me all the time. So cooking is a big one for me. Anything that takes time and takes the load off of me is a big deal to me. Well, and it's funny, the other day I, I made the bed and I just made it just to make it, with, make it without any ulterior motives. And when she came home and saw it, she's like, oh, wow, you made the bed. It, are you wanting something for me? Like, what? What's, why did you do that? <laughs> it's like, I just made it. Like, you're welcome. That's it. <laughs> yeah. So that, that, those are the things that really mean something to me if you help me out in some way, shape or form. Yeah. And, and so mine is attention, so quality time and focused attention. So for instance, if I'm wanting to tell Nance a story or get her to chime in on something, it is a thing for me, like I really need her focused attention in that moment and then that makes me feel loved. So that's not looking at the phone, not watching the TV or doing something else where you're distracted. It's give me 10, 15 minutes of your undivided attention, and that, that makes me feel feel loved. Right. And so that's something that I always have to pay attention to, because if Dave starts to tell a story, if I know it's going to be like a one-minute story, it's not a big deal. But if I know he's getting in, I literally have to shut my phone off, turn it off, because I know that it's valuable to him. Mm-hmm. You know, So, um, of course, I'm going to listen. And I'm not wholeheartedly listening if I'm looking at my phone and listening anyways. Um, so it's one of those things that if we know we're going to get in a big conversation, it's everything goes out the window and focus on the person that's talking. That's right. And it's helpful to, to understand that there, this, these five love languages, there's also, it's also been applied to the workplace. Mm-hmm. There's also versions of it for single people and for kids. We had our daughter do a, a little test. 
So these online tests will, will kind of ask you questions to help you understand what your love language is. And it turns out for Cece, our daughter, uh, hers is also quality time. So she loves gifts and things like that, words of affirmation. But her biggest thing is hang out with her. Like do something with her, play, play a board game, go play around in the snow, whatever it is. And I mentioned this in a previous podcast that a patient one time told me the greatest gift you can ever give your child is a four-letter word, and it's T-I-M-E. It's mm -hmm. time. So they value that so much more than anything else in the world is just giving your undivided attention and, and play or have fun or go for a walk. When we were vacationing and we would go on a weekend trip, that was her favorite. Like She knew she had mom and dad the whole weekend and she, I think that's why she really loves getting away mm -hmm. and we've been missing that. Then that'll be interesting to see if how that changes with between her and us over time because I imagine when she's 13 that might flip on its oh, head no. somehow. But I'm banking on her just being attached at the hip. Yeah that'll be <laughs> well that could get a little weird so there's like there's a balance right. <laughs> no, I'm I'm like, no, no 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 like go out with your friends like seriously like you're hanging out with us all the time. <laughs> no, no I agree. Yeah. So the, but the workplace you wanted to. Yeah. I wanted to talk, talk about the workplace because I think that that's so important too. We read an article the one time that said most employees are actually not um, motivated by money. There has to be a certain amount that makes them feel like they're able to pay their bills and it's not stressful. So the salary matters, but when it comes to um, staying at a workplace, it has nothing to do with money. It's usually value, how much they put value on the people they work with or how they feel when they're at the job or what they do, how much it gives to another person or whatever it is. And so all of these love languages apply at the workplace too. Some people, you can look at this as words of affirmation. They like to hear, you did such a great job. You were so efficient doing that. I can't believe how quickly you got it done. Or they may like gifts and they find that value. Like a bonus or an attaboy gift card or something. Right. Yeah. Something that, but not everyone values that. So if you give them a gift card, but their value is actually words, that gift card's not going to mean anything to them. Mm -hmm. So there's all these different love languages at work too that you can think about. Um, acts of service can also be applied to the workplace. So if you're doing something for someone that normally you wouldn't do to help out, that's another way. And that might mean you might be able to scratch everything else and just help out with that person. And that is what will make them feel worthwhile and valued. Workplace love languages. <laughs> See, in our workplace, we can because we're all female. <laughs> it would be super weird if your company did it. You know what we mean, but yeah, <laughs> I just couldn't help but pointing out the sort of humor in that. I would yeah. love if you went to your job and said, hey, I was wondering if we can do this love language quiz. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, with engineers. Dave, we're not that kind of workplace. <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna, mm, not going there. That'd be awesome. Yeah, we actually have a leadership training tomorrow and the next day, and maybe I'll bring that up. You should. <laughs> tell, yeah. me, tell me what the response is. Yeah. Okay. All right, so in all seriousness, we hope out of this episode that it was helpful for you to hear about the five love languages, whether it applies to you in your marital relationship or maybe with workplace or with parenting or that sort of thing. Uh, also, how important it is to give each other the space to evolve as your relationship grows and as you grow older, because you're not going to be the same person 10 years from now. Nobody, nobody really is. And then also how we need to stay focused on the things that matter. It's not the ring. It's not the wedding. It's the people and, and the symbolism. It matters, but not, not to spend a bajillion dollars on it because that's not what matters most. Mm -hmm.